When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of Restore the Floor, and we're uh, honored to be joined by the community ambassador of the Detroit Pistons, who's also a two-time NBA champion, also an author now, My Life in Basketball, Earl the Twirl is the name of the book. What's up, Earl the Twirl Curtain, baby? My man, how you doing, man? I'm I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. I'm doing pretty good. But we'll talk about what, what's happening right now in the NBA Finals. Since you know the NBA Finals, you've actually yeah. played in a few of them. 1-1, uh, as we record this podcast, I was just, I'm not surprised that Miami won a game. I'm just surprised the fact that they keep coming back from all these deficits, right? Yeah, well, you know, they don't, they don't care what anybody say. They got the same. I mean, they got a theme, you know, we don't give a damn. They you know, they continue to keep saying that and what people say, and you can't underestimate them. They got a great team. You know, sometimes great teams beat great players, and that's what you've been seeing with Miami. Uh, you know, a lot of guys are undrafted, uh, a lot of guys that know their roles and understand what they need to do, and they're a well-oiled machine, so you have to watch out for them each and every night. And I think Denver is still capable of obviously winning a game on the road, right? Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, when you get to the finals like this, it doesn't matter. You know, every game is going – wherever it's at, both teams got an opportunity to be able to come up with a win. Now, I'm just curious for somebody who played, you know, with, with some of the greats and against some of the greats. It's always crazy. You list, you know, where this guy stands all the time. Who does like Jokic remind you of, if anybody? And and who does where does he do you think you know in the pantheon of basketball will he get to? Because he's still basically a relatively young guy. I want to say he's unique. You know, you can you can do some comparisons, but he's got a mixture of a lot of different things. Uh, uh, you know, you look at his body type, and you you, know, you don't see all the things that he can do with his game. It's a little Magic Johnson with the passing, you know, the basketball. It's a little Moses Malone with the rebounding. Uh, you know, the, the scoring is, you know, a little uh, Tim Duncan. You know, it's a mixture of a whole lot of different stuff with him. Uh, I don't think we've seen a player uh, of this magnitude uh, throughout the years that can do all the things that he can do. I mean, he's totally dominating. Let's let's talk about the the Pistons right now. Everybody seems to be very excited about Monty Williams. Good hire. Why? Why not? Well, he um, you know he, he took some young players and he's done some good things. I mean, he's he's still got a lot to prove in terms of uh you know championships and right. success in the playoffs. <laughs> so let the Pistons you know? get to that so, level. Yeah, so yeah, we want to we want to try to get there, and he's yeah. proven that uh he's very he's more than capable of doing that. You know, he did a great job down in Phoenix and. New Orleans and, uh, you know, everything you hear about this guy has just been, you know, it's been great things about him uh, in terms of his character and, you know, and everything he can do, his coaching ability. And, uh, you know, I was kind of surprised when uh, they let him go in Phoenix and that was kind of a shock. Uh, but I'm happy we got a guy like that. You know, we got a young guy with energy that can come in. We got a young core right now that uh, and I'm sure he's going to put the right assistance and everybody in place to work with him. And, uh, you know, it, it should be good. He's got some stability. There's no question about that with the contract that he just signed. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> People are, like, talking about, oh, they're giving him all this money. There's not a coach's cap. If the owner wants to give him that money, that's 
That's good for the fans. Right. It shows that the owner is committed, right? Right. I mean, that's what he's, he's been showing that over and over again. A lot of people talk about Tom Gores not being present all the time, but yet, you know, he always pull a wallet out, take care of the team, make sure he's putting people in the right places. And uh, he's been doing that ever since he's been there. He, he wants to win, uh, obviously. And you go out and you pay that coach that kind of money and kind of players that he's bringing in. He's tried it one way and he's, you know, he's giving people a chance to try to put something special here together. So what do you think of this team? We talk about the young core, uh, obviously Ivy Cunningham coming off a, a, a season where he was injured. You got Duran Wiseman's a, a flyer on him, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, tons of young guys. They have a foundation, but how good do you think they could be if they get the right guys around them? Well, they, they, you know, Troy's doing the right thing. Um, you know, they, they want to do a, a reboot as they say, uh, they went out and got, you know, with Cave Cunningham, getting that number one pick help and the players you just named. Uh, you know, we got a lot of good players on the roster right now. Made some great moves. Durham was a great move last year to bring yes. him in. I think he's going to be real star in this league. You know, Isaiah Stewart, I mean, I like all the guys that they got. Obviously, you're going to have to build around that. Uh, the big thing, though, he's giving these guys an opportunity to get experience. Uh, only way young guys get better is they play and they get to experience. And over the last couple of years, these guys have had every opportunity. I mean, we're taking the lumps because of the losses, but at the same time, you want to think that's going to pay off in, in the long run in terms of these guys learning the game and being ready uh, you know, to make that next step to the playoffs. As a big like you were, do you think this team in the way the league is right now has too many big guys? Well, I'm sure they're going to filter everything down. You know, you you know, you go out and you get Wiseman. You know, you get some guys and you know, you bring them in Bagley and these guys right here. But you got a chance to take a look at them, right? Uh, you know, you don't spend a ton of money taking a look at them. You know, you go out, you get them, and if you know if they pan out and they fit what you're trying to do and all the pieces fit, then those are the ones you stick with. You know, obviously all those guys probably won't be around at the end. But you'll find the right ones that's going to match what you're trying to get and reach your goals. Uh, the book is Earl Curitan, Earl the Twirl, My Life in Basketball. So let's start. You grew up in Detroit. Yeah, the people always remember you, U of Z, but people forget you started at a different school first, right? Robert Morris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I want I've been wanting to do this. Everybody I talk to, you know, I, I got we got a lot of friends in common. I talk yes. to them all, all the time. And I tell these stories, you know, because you know, I wasn't a superstar in the league. Obviously, I know who I am. You know, I never was you know, just a role player, a guy that just, you know, kind of struggled from the beginning, from junior college, from a growth spurt to, you know, playing for the best team in the league, playing for the worst team. But I got so many stories and so many things that happened that I had to write this book to let people know and to let people understand how important it is to be a role player, in, you know, in the NBA. I mean, you look at the superstars and they always talk about their careers and what they do, but I don't think people actually realize what the average guy go through trying to survive in the NBA. And I was able to do that for 12 years. And I, you know, I got some great stories that's in this book uh, that I think people will really enjoy to read and get, get a better understanding and have a little bit more respect for that eighth, ninth and 10th man on roster. All right. Before we get to the NBA stuff, you, you went to U of D after Robert Morris. Now you got there the year after Dickie V left, right? Or he right recruited around, me. He recruited he you though. And got me and he got so were you pissed when he left? Well, I, he kind of, he explained to me, <laughs> Dick, you know, Dick straight up, he called me up and told me, you know, what, what the deal was and what can you say? You know, the yeah. guy got, a, you know, he got, got his dream job. At least he thought it was his dream <laughs> the job Pistons. to go to the Pistons. And yeah. uh, he said, you know, do what you got to do. I learned a lot from him in a short period of time. And, He's he's always been there for me. You know, he never turned his back on me and uh, told me if I handle my business that, you know, he'll be there for me, you know, at the end of my college career. So I didn't have a problem. I was, you know, I was a little disappointed. That I didn't get a chance to to play for him. Uh, but, uh, 
you know, I got over it and, and went on and made the best out of it. And you were drafted by my hometown team, the, the Sixers. And so you talk about stories. Uh, you obviously win a championship. It's the last basketball championship the Sixers have won. Uh, got to there's so many characters on that team. So uh, well, we'll start with with Julius. What's your besides everybody knows how yeah. great and how wonderful a person he is. But what's your favorite Doc story? Well, I'm just saying, as a kid growing up, you know, on the east side of Detroit, I idolized Doctor J. You know, when I went to Robert Morris, I had two giant posters on my wall of Doctor J hanging on the wall. You know, and I was six five when I went there. Had no idea in the next three years I was going to be in a locker room with Dr. J. You know, so it, it, it was just incredible. I mean, the first year, not only did I make my dream of being in the NBA, but I was playing with the guy that I idolized in the NBA. So I just kind of sit there and watch him. You know, he was a he was a great role model for me to have and taught me a whole lot. You know, I was with a lot of great pros with that Philadelphia team. Uh, you know, Carwell Jones and you know Maurice Cheeks, Bobby Jones. And, you know, as a young guy coming in the league, I couldn't have came into the league with a better core guys. You know, they taught me how to be a pro. I uh, didn't get a whole lot of playing time. Right. I realize now because all those guys are in the Hall of Fame right now. You know, you look up Bobby Jones, the Hall of Famer, Moses Malone, the Hall of Famer. You know, Maurice Cheeks, the Hall of Famer. You know, Doc's a Hall of Famer. I'm saying, okay, well, you know, I don't have to worry about not playing for Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> Is there something about Doc that people don't know? Well, I mean, I think you look at him. Uh, he was ambassador for the NBA. You know, I think he was the, he was the first, he was that player that, that set a standard for the league. Um, I mean, a, a class act. Uh, he had a certain air about him. Uh, when he walked into a room, you knew Doc was in that room. You know, he, he demanded that room, you know, uh, just the way he carried himself, the way he dressed, the way he talked, and the way he performed. I mean, he wasn't very vocal with things that he did, but by example, he showed you a whole lot, and I learned a whole lot from him. Uh, always had a suit on. Always uh, addressed everything professionally. And always gave 110% out there on the basketball court. And, you know, you can't have a, a better role model than that. I remember I was in the spectrum in the stands when he did the move around Landsberger and then in, in, in the finals when they, they still show that shot yeah. all, all, all the time. What is your favorite Dr. J shot highlight, whatever? Well, that, that's one of them. Uh, there's no question about that. The one over Michael Cooper, uh, where he rocked the baby. Coop just yes. got caught. That was, what, that was a Sunday afternoon game, yeah. right? Coop if couldn't I get out the way. You know, yeah. Coop wasn't trying to play defense. He was trying to get out of the way, but uh, he got caught up in that one. But Doc would put a show on, you know, every night. You sit there, you're going to see something. You, you're going to go home and talk about a move that Doc made during the game. I think he was the best at going to the basket. There's, there's no other player that played in the league went to the basket like Dr. J. And then there was the Boston Strangler, Andrew Tony, who people don't realize the reason that Auerbach made the Rick Roby for Dennis Johnson trade was somebody to defend Andrew Tony. <laughs> He was, I mean, if he didn't get injured, uh, one of the great scorers in that era, right? That was my roommate. I came in with Andrew Tony. You know, I know him really well and uh, unbelievable. You know, and like you said, he was going to be hands down. That would have been another Hall of Famer, you know, for the Sixers. Uh, you know, nobody could stop him. Uh, you know, he, you know, he mid-range, long-range. He drove Billy Cunningham crazy, <laughs> you know, because he pretty much did what he wanted to do out on the court. Uh, but I tell you, yeah, he he, he tore Boston apart. Uh, you know, I, I remember the one game against the Lakers uh, on national television when they, you know, they had Michael Cooper and Michael Cooper was supposed to be a defense specialist. And they and Andrew came to me. He said, "Man, what are they talking about?" He said, "They got a guy that said, what's what's the defense specialist?" He said, "What is that?" You know, I said, "Well, they got Michael Cooper. You know, a good defensive player." He said, said nothing else. He went out and dropped forty-seven that night. He came to me <laughs> after the game and said, "Who's that guy that's supposed to be the defense <laughs> specialist?" So, 
so Andrew was a piece of work, you know, uh, and, he, and he put it in. He worked hard, great guy. Still one of my best friends. I talk to all the time. So, so you had to go through the disappointments of losing to the Celtics. I remember what, the 81 when you blew the 3-1 lead and Maxwell had the inc that, that incident on the Friday night. And they, they, they beat you at the freaking old mm -hmm. Boston Garden. But finally, they win a championship and because they got Moses. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize, like you do obviously, how good, great that guy was. Oh, incredible. Uh, and, and not to talk about basketball, he was a great person. He was a great teammate. You know, that's more important than anything right there. You know, yeah. we got, and we got Moses. We knew that, you know, that was, a, that was a piece right there. that was going to take us over the hump. Uh, you know, you mentioned it, we were up three, one, my rookie year against them and they came back and got us. And you know, the next year we beat them. Right. And, uh, we thought we had won the world when we beat them, we lost to the Lakers, you know? So, but bringing Moses in, I mean, the day he stepped through the door, he made it clear. This is Dr. J's team. I'm here to help him win a championship. That ended all the talk about whose team it was and all that. And that's exactly what he did. He was one of the guys, fit right in, just came in. He did his job night in and night out. Uh, you know, and he, he put it on Kareem. I mean, he, he did something special to Kareem uh, in, in the finals that year. And you were gone, I think. But when they traded him to the Bullets for, like, nothing, it was like – plus they added draft choice, so they got the the other Cliff Robinson, the one who went to USC, not the one who played for the Pistons, and a ruling who had already – his knees were so mad. I mean, that Howard Katz, he was your owner. I mean, Harold Katz, he did a – he got you a championship, but he also destroyed the team. And I think Harold, Harold knows he, he made some mistakes. You know, uh, you don't fix something that's not broke. That team should have stayed together. You know, I was one of the first guys. I ended up going to Europe and coming back home to Detroit. Right. Out of there. And, they, and, you know, me and Andrew were really close. Obviously, they had some effect on him, me leaving. I mean, we were roommates on and off the road. Real, We just won a championship. And, you know, and I guess, you know, from Harold looked at it money-wise or whatever, you know, they drafted Barkley that next year. But they totally destroyed the chemistry of that team. Uh, and that's what I mean. You can have great players on the team, but you don't win championship with great players. You win championships with great teams. I think that's what we're seeing with Miami right now. Um, you know, they, they, that's a great team that's put together and work well together. So you come back after a year overseas and you join your hometown team, the Pistons, who were, re were basically building something. When did you realize that this could be something special? I mean, you played through 86, so you didn't get the complete fruits of labor, but you went through the games at Joe Lewis or Isaiah versus the Knicks that I'm really, they ended up, people forget they lost the game, but still that, that game, some amazing games. Well, that's, what's going to make this book so interesting. Yeah. Because I actually didn't stay in, in, in Europe uh, no more. I was over there for about two months. Right. You know, I went through three contracts in, in, in a, in a three month period of wow. time, which was crazy. And I talk about it in the book because it was a rule of right. Uh, first refusal in, which means when you became a free agent, you still, the team still had your rights. Oh, okay. So that's the reason why I had to go because Philadelphia still had my rights and I had no contract and they could, you know, they could offer me anything, but they could get compensation for any team that tried to sign me. Uh, my good friend, Chuck Daly, you know, that was my assistant coach when I went to Philadelphia. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I knew Chuck Daly before any other Pistons fans, uh, daddy rich. See, I remember when he him. coached the pen. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we go all the way back to those yeah. days, you know, and, uh, you know, and Daryl Dawkins named him Big Money Grip down there, and then that went from Big Money Grip to Daddy Rich, you know. <laughs> but he was my assistant coach. And Chuck, you know, he realized, you know, who I was. He watched me. Uh, when he got here to Detroit, um, him and Jack McCloskey got together, and they made a deal. They couldn't get Antoine Carr to sign that year, and they brought me back from over in Milan and brought me back uh, to Detroit. 
So what do you think of the team here? You had, you know, Lambeer, Isaiah, what, Chapuka was still here before the, the trade. You had Johnny Long here, you had well, another Detroiter. I mean. To be honest, I thought, I thought Isaiah was crazy when I first came here. You know, because when I first walked in, I looked at the team, and Isaiah was talking about winning a championship that year. We're going to win it all. You know, he was, you know, he was like, and he, he dead serious. He's dribbling and he's talking. And he said, we're going to win it all. And I'm looking around the room and I, you know, I, we got Kelly, you know, Bill was just building. You know, he wasn't right. a rebounder and Benny wasn't a microwave. And they were more like the little boys then. They wasn't the bad boys. You know? <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, I don't see that. You know, I I, I, I don't see it. You know, and I said, what is wrong? You know, and Isaiah was, he was, he was preaching it. Mm -hmm. We went in the championship. We're going to be, you know, we'll be in the playoffs. We're going to be there. Season went on, games went on. At the end of my first year here, we won 49 games and was one game away from winning the division. And I said, wow. I said, we got this team's going to be something special. I knew right then that it, something special was going to happen. Uh, you know, and I ended up spending three years here. Unfortunately for me, uh, my, my position had to be upgraded. Uh, I knew I was in trouble. You know, I, I talk about that part in the book, too. Uh, well, so who, but, did they, who did they get to uh, replace you? Well, I, I looked at the All-Star game uh one year and I looked out and said, dang, there's Kelly Tapuka and let's see, there's Isaiah, there's Bill, you know, and uh, and we got Benny, you know, then Joe came in. I said, Well, that's all four starters. And I was in a starting lineup. I said, I'm the only guy sitting at home watching this. I said, Well, <laughs> that's the position they're gonna have to upgrade. You know, I said, there's no question about it. They went out and they got Sally, they got Rotman, you know, they brought some players in, they you know, they moved me. I, you know, I was hurt um uh, that I had to go because I, I knew this team was on its way. Uh but bringing those two guys in kind of changed uh, the perception of everything. They traded to Kelly to bring Mark Aguirre in. Mm -hmm. uh, that was another key piece. Uh, bring Dantley, and then they traded Dantley. Yeah, for Dantley. Yeah. yeah, and then they, uh, then they brought Aguirre in. You know, and, and and that position just solidified the whole thing. And, okay, and so, Buddha, Buddha was another big piece. Yeah. So you ended up going to Chicago. Mm -hmm. So you played with Jordan too. Yeah. So yeah. what? When did you? I mean, when did you realize that he was going to be what he is, or was he already there by the time you got there? Well, my, you know, my old teammate Doug Collins was head coach that year uh the first game we played at Madison Square Garden against the Knicks and uh Mike went off for 50 points <laughs> that's when I realized <laughs> I realized we had some I said dang you know he was in his second year that's after he came off the big game with Boston right prior to that but the first night out you know I and I was in the starting lineup down there I had about 17 and 11 but he scored 50 you know that night you know I think he ended up averaging 30 33, 34 points or something like that through the whole year. But uh, So we've yeah. always heard, and we saw through the last days, what a hard ass he was to his teammates. Mm -hmm. Did Michael Jordan ever do anything to piss you off as a teammate? No, I mean, because Mike, you know, if you worked hard, the only time Mike would bother you if you weren't carrying your load. Uh-huh. You know, Mike felt that if, you, you know, I'm coming in here and I'm a, I'm busting it every day, you know, every guy on his team better bust it. From 1 through 12, you know, every guy on his team better bring it every day. And, you know, and if you wasn't bringing it, he just let you know. You know, it was, it was all in good spirits. You know, he... He was a competitor. You know, he, he wanted to win at, at any cost, no matter what it was. If being first in the shower, he was going to be first in the shower. You know, he was that type of guy. So I, I don't think it was uh, out of mean spirits. It was just out of keeping everybody accountable uh, for what they needed to do. Whatever your role was, you know, you better be carrying carrying your weight. So he's the ultimate alpha. Isaiah was an alpha. Do you think that is why the <laughs> two of them have their, shall we say, for better their relationship that they have, which is yeah, well, I toxic mean, that, that, that. That, that, that was a it's something that you like to see in, and it's over now. Maybe you know they can sit down and you know drink a beer and talk about the good times, but it hasn't came to that yet. And yeah, no doubt about it. You know, and Isaiah just doesn't feel he gets to 
respect that he should get. You know, he always talk about how he had to build a team. A lot of these 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 teams like the Chicago and the Lakers, they had a lot of great players on their team to begin with, but he he worked to build his and I think he wants that to be recognized. All right, what was the worst team you ever played on? Oh my goodness, that's very easy. The right Hornets, there. the Clippers, the Clippers. I would, who was it? Was Gene Shue the coach then? I went there with uh, with Don Chaney. Oh, okay. The, the year they won twelve games, I I I didn't play the whole season there. I ended up then then uh, Gene Shue came in, but that that was absolutely the worst team I played with in, in the league. Uh, who else? Who was on that team? Man, that team got a team, and it was amazing because it's a team full of coaches. You know, Mike Woodson was on that team. Okay, being a coach. Uh, Benoit Benjamin played on that team. Quentin Daly was on that oh team. Oh my God! Uh, yeah, we had man. Mike Cage was a bright spot. You know, he San Diego he, State. Yeah, I he, led, he, he led the league. He was one of the first guys to have Jerry Curl. Oh, I remember we, playing oh, in the NBA, right? Because they, him and AC Green go against each other. <laughs> it was the battle of the Jerry Curl. You know, so <laughs> yeah. But that team there, I mean, we those guys. Uh, you know, they ended up a lot of them. You know, Larry Drew became a coach. Yeah, Woody became a coach. You know, it's amazing. We didn't have any basketball players. We had was, was Sterling the owner then? Sterling was the owner. So, did you, or any Sterling stories? Did Man, you realize he you was? You know, I, I would see him around. He'd come to the game, sit courtside, you know, never really had any interactions and never seen uh, what was coming, you know, out of that whole situation. I just knew that he didn't, you know, he didn't pay people back then. And that's yeah. the reason why. Uh, the crazy thing about that, uh, Marcus Johnson was there. He was injured. Norm Nixon popped an Achilles that year. We might oh. have been a better team with those two guys if they would have been healthy and able to play. All right. So after the Clippers came the Hornets, and then from the Hornets, yeah. you go to the Rockets yeah. uh, and win another title with well, Akeem. The, the Hornets was a, was a great, great place to play it. I mean, even though it was an expansion team. Right. You know, I mean, Steph Curry was uh, a little baby then. He was in diapers. Yeah, he so no he played with Dell. No idea he was going to be two-time MVP. Yeah. Well, Dell could shoot pretty damn yeah, good, Del, too, right? Dell could shoot it. Muggsy was there. Robert Reed was there. My good friend Kelly Tapuka was on that team as well. You guys so, had those, like, Alexander Julian. Julian uniforms yeah. with pinstripes in it. Yeah. We won 20 games, and we had a parade at the end of the year. You had uh, a parade? We had a parade. We had a parade. That town embraced us like never before. We didn't know what to expect because we were in college towns, you know, right. Duke and all that. Yeah. So we didn't know if they were going to take how, how we were going to take the NBA basketball. They went absolutely nuts. I mean, we lost by 35, 40 points the first night. Not a fan left the building. The so they, they were the first team to play a game at the Palace, if my if my memory is correct. I was correct. on that team. I played the first game in the Palace. You know, that, I, I was there. I have, I still know. have the Charlotte Hornets media guide from their, mm -hmm. from your year. I got to look that I up. I came home. in. I was, I was injured. I shouldn't have been playing. I had, you know, Vic Harder was, you know, old Phil, uh, old oh. Detroit coach. Yeah. It's just trying to coach. convince me that you know, I had a poor hand, but I said, no, I'm playing in this game. You know, I <laughs> came back to Detroit and played. And uh, me and Chuck Daly and them had played a, uh, against the Olympian team here. That was the last group of a uh, team for the Olympics. That, oh, that, that's right. Yeah, that, that was the last that. one before they added pros. And Chuck coached the team. So I actually played there. I didn't know that. It was an exhibition game. That's part of my history. I played Joe Lewis Arena. I played the first game at Joe Lewis Arena with Michigan University Detroit. Who won? Michigan beat us. Mike McGee gave us, you know, all the big team all-time leading score back then. Gave us about thirty. So when you when you played one of your UD years, you went to the NCAA's. Who did you play in the NCAA's? We lost to Lamar that year. We had a great year. Terry Durod, you know, he lit it up that year. He was uh, me and him were the two star players on the team that year. We we had some great wins. Uh, we got caught in the first round of the NCAA tournament. We beat Marquette that year. We beat Oregon that year. You know, we beat Georgetown that year. We beat them all in a span of about ten days. You know, and 
were able to get a bid. I think we only lost about six, seven games that year. So we had a pretty good team. All right. Uh, final NBA career. Well, you ended up with the Raptors, but I want to talk about the Rockets and that title. So you played with Rudy T was your coach. Great and coach. And you guys, you know, they went back to back. You were part of what, one of them or both of them? Well, I got hurt. I came home after the first. I would have been a part of the second. Right. I came in. I played a significant role for them, you know. I know. And, I remember uh, the first because, one. Definitely. Uh, you know, Robert, um, uh, Carl Herrera went down with a shoulder injury, you know, right in the middle of the playoffs. And I ended up playing the Phoenix series, the Utah series, you know, and then Carl came back and played in the championship series. But I got a great story in the book about that one, though. When he, he, I'll let people read that one. That was a great one. Uh, how I got there, you know, it was, it was really crazy the way that I got to Houston. It was near the end of the season when I signed to come in there. But the process that I went through to do it was real Real interesting. And, and Akeem was uh, a joy to play with, I uh, assume. Great team. I mean, once again, it was another team where everybody knew their roles. You know, Kenny Smith was on that team, Robin Horry, Otis Thorpe, and Rudy T. What a great coach. You know, I put him right in the same class with Chuck and those guys. I mean, he understood, you know, how, how to deal with the players. And, you know, we had Vernon Maxwell, and we had a lot of different. All right. There's got to be a Mad Max story you could share <laughs> with us besides what's in the book. Give me a good Mad Max one. Well, Max was tough to deal with. I, I watched Max. I walked into the locker room out of Utah, you know, with him spitting on the floor, going into the locker room. Uh, you know, he he was a tough one. You know, it's just like uh, the, only, the, the big story is the first day that I got there, uh, I came in town and played a game, and we had a trip going to Dallas that night after the game. And I had just joined the team, and we flew on one of these MGM Grams, and we, we didn't have them when I had came out of the league. Right. We, we board the plane, and we get on, and, and so everybody's hollering, where's Max? Where's Max? You know, and Rudy's standing there and looking around. He's, ah, oh, don't worry about Max. Don't worry about, he'll meet us in Dallas. You know, sure enough, no Vernon Maxwell. The next day he shows up on his own. He drives down. <laughs> so they were kind of used to the things, uh -huh. you know. Max kind of had his own drum set and he was playing them, you know. So he yeah. you know, he did what, but yeah, you know, he came, he, he competed and, and he was a big part of us winning the championship. You know, he's good guy. You know, he just beat to his own drum. All right, so so you played with Jordan, with Doc, with Moses, and Akeem. Mm -hmm. Who's the best out of those four? Oh, man. They all were and players. Isaiah too. I mean, Isaiah, you can't leave him out. I mean, you you miss guys because I played with a lot of yeah. a lot of great players. You sit down. I have to think about it a lot of times. And, and you played them all really when they were in their prime you, too. You left out the best one though, the most exciting player I played with. You know. What team? Muggsy Bogues. Oh, that's... <laughs> come on, how incredible. Yeah, that's right. Five, five foot three. Five foot three. The smallest player to ever play the game. Most incredible athlete I ever seen. Out of all those guys right there, I was more amazed with watching him at five foot three. And to this day, you know, we're still good friends. Uh -huh. And every time I look at him, I see he played 14 years in the league, you know. I don't know why he's not in the Hall of Fame right now because it's, it's not going to be anything. I don't think there's another guy ever come along that's going to... He's a legitimate five foot three. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, you know. Right. Legitimate. So to, to wrap this up, what do you think of the league today as compared to when you played? Some, you know, because everybody always can't compare errors. Yeah. If, you know, this was this, you know, we'd have more. Because we were talking the other day, you know, even that game, I'm trying to remember if you were on the, the Denver-Detroit game, the highest scoring game of all time. You were on that game. Yeah. But there were only like five three-pointers no, attempted. Yeah. Highest scoring game in the history, you know. Yeah, yeah so. with five three points. Yeah, so I mean, everybody with great mid range shooters now. You know? Right. Do you I'm, like the game more today than it well, was? I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, I, I, you know, I like our era of basketball. You know, I don't think the, you know, those guys are as skilled. Uh, the rules have changed. You know, the fan base has changed. It's, it's just a different era of basketball. Players are bigger. Players are more athletic. 
Uh, it's some positive, it's some negatives, uh, you know, but you know, you have to take it for what it's worth right now. Uh, obviously, they open the game up uh, with all the rule changes, you know, could, yes. could the bad boys exist? Could I even exist? You know, you can't touch anybody anymore. I know. You know our game was hitting people and knocking people out. You know, you nobody would knock three three-pointers down in a row. You know, if you hit two shots in a row, you were going down. And I know. We look at the 04 team and say, like, mm -hmm. you know, like they had the, the other last week was the anniversary of Tayshon's block. Mm -hmm. The score of that game was 70 to 6. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, we played hot, tough, hard-nosed basketball. Yeah. Uh, you know, can you imagine guarding Moses with uh you know with one hand you can't extend? <laughs> oh my god forearm or you know, no hand checking in the league, right? Moses now. would have and, 70. Yeah, you know, you can't, you know, you can't do nothing to these guys. Although so. if Moses grew up, he'd want to shoot threes like everybody yeah, probably, Well, that's what it's about now. These yes. guys they don't shoot mid-range, they don't work on mid-range shots. You know, you watch it, you go to a gym right now and you see a young kid playing, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. First thing they do when they pick a basketball up is go to the three-point line. Yeah. You know, you ask them to make a free throw, they can't do it. Now, your you know? daughter played college basketball, right? With yeah, she ended up Georgetown, going to, she right? Went, she went to Georgetown. Yeah, and got I a chance that. to play a little bit over at Georgetown, and she just graduated now. She's got a master's, you know, out of uh, out of Georgetown a couple of weeks ago, and you know, she's going on. See, she should have gone to American, a better school. Yeah. In DC, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, the book, My Life in Basketball, Earl the Twirl, currently the community ambassador. Of your Detroit Pistons. Uh, sometimes he substitutes for Rick Mahorn when Rick uh, is a little too busy to, right. to do the games. They all call on uh, Earl. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Great luck with the book. I can't wait to read oh, it. Man, I want everybody to get a copy of it. I think it's going to be a great read. It gives you a different perspective of what players about in the NBA. All right. Another edition of Restore the Floor. We'll talk to you next time.